Hi, this is John Ozanting, lead pastor of Evolve Church, and this is the Evolve Church podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope that you find today's message encouraging and full of hope for wherever you're at. What do you see when you look into the face of your neighbors? Do you see the face of Jesus? It's a big question. And we've been talking about how love wins in our life over the last few weeks. And today, specifically, I want to talk about what does it look like for love to win in the context of where we live, where we do life. And I want to recap a little bit. Um, You know, week one, we looked at 1 Corinthians 13, and we asked this question, is my life simply a vague expression of Jesus' love, or is my life shaped with clarity, a clear picture of what it means to love? And we talked about learning to express ourselves with love, learning to um, grow in how we're loving, but also everything we're doing coming out of a motive of love. So that was week one. Part two, the second Sunday, um, we said is it's through each one of us choosing to spend a close and intimate time with Jesus that we begin to see real love more clearly. And together, um, Nicole and I, we looked at Colossians chapter 3, And we talked about the wardrobe um, that Jesus invites us to wear when we choose to follow him. The wardrobe of love. And specifically, um, what does that mean for us? We talked about things like compassion and kindness and humility and quiet strength. And if if you were here that week, you remember that Nicole takes putting on the wardrobe of love very seriously. She actually prepared, went out, and bought new clothing that week that said love on it. Because she's so hardcore about dressing in the wardrobe of love. I couldn't let her outdo me. I went shopping the other day, and I found a new T-shirt. It says, I love you, but I have chosen coffee. So this is my new love T-shirt. And those of you that know me know that I have a bit of a fascination with the beautiful bean, the, the beautiful fruit called coffee. But uh, So this is my new dressing and my wardrobe of love. I love you, but I've chosen coffee. Um, forgive me. But uh, the wardrobe of love. And then part three, last week, we talked about family. And if you were here last week, uh, I just thought last week was so special as we just talked about what does it mean for love to win in our families? Not only in my own individual life, in my relationships, in my marriage, but in our family. How does love win in family? We said that the relentless love of Jesus is meant to be foundational for each one of our lives. But Jesus is actually building his church through the beautiful picture of God's original plan for human beings, family. Jesus is building his church through family. And the purpose for allowing love to win in our families is to help us see our place in living out what it means to build generations on top of the foundation of Jesus that's already been laid. Those three together, love defined in my own life, Love defined in my marriage to Nicole. Love defined in our combined effort to build our home and our family on the foundation of Jesus. And your unique situation. Those three together bring us to a place today where I want to talk about what does it mean for us to love and for love to win in the context of our neighbors. A wealthy businessman decided one year that he wanted to do something incredible for his mother for her birthday. 
And over the years, he felt like he'd, he'd done a really good job of honoring her and celebrating her on her birthday. But he wanted to do something extravagant and ridiculous over the top. And so he found and researched a rare bird that could not only speak, but it could speak multiple languages. This bird had a vocabulary of over 4,000 words. And this bird had learned to sing three, not one, not two, but three operatic arias. This was a well-trained bird, and it, its, it, its skill set was vast, and he just thought, what an exquisite gift for my mother. And so he researched and purchased this bird and made arrangements for it to be delivered to her on her birthday. And so with great anticipation on the day of his mother's birth, um, later in the afternoon, he placed a phone call through to his mom and said, Mom, did you get the gift that I arranged for you? And she said, yes, son, I actually got it early. Your father and I were so excited when it came to our door yesterday. And he said, Mom, what do you think of the, of the bird? And she said, well, it's fantastic. Matter of fact, your father and I both thought it was delicious. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, no. Uh, you know, when something has a specific purpose, it's important that you're aware of its purpose. When something has an extravagant and costly purpose, doesn't it make sense that we should want to know its purpose? In this case, this made-up ridiculous story about a wealthy guy spending a lot of money on a bird didn't tell his mom what the bird was for, and she ate it. In our life, if we're not clear on what the purpose of love is, it's going to set us up for a life of confusion and possibly even a life of failure. What is the purpose of love? Because love has purpose. As we begin to learn to clearly express, grow in love, live from a motive of love, as we begin to dress our marriages, our relationships in the wardrobe of love, as we learn what it means to build our families on a foundation of love, it's all for one beautiful, costly, an extravagant purpose. The purpose for learning to be clear with our love, dress our marriages in the wardrobe of love, and build our families on the foundation of love is so that we are effective in how we're fulfilling God's mission for his church. The purpose for learning how to define our lives in love, build our marriages and our families on a foundation of love. The purpose for love is so that we're effective in fulfilling God's mission for his church. When I say church with a capital C, what I don't mean is a physical building where religious people get together, okay? That is not what church means. And if you've grown up with an, with an ideology or a belief that on Sundays we go to church, if you continue to hang out with us, you're going to learn that maybe that's something that you grew up believing to be true that isn't true. We actually don't go to church, we are church. We are ecclesia, the Greek word, which simply means an active, alive, vibrant body of people committed to the same cause. And our cause has a name. His name is Jesus. We don't go to church. We are church. We happen to get together on Sunday mornings and other times throughout the week, but we define our lives in the character and the person of Jesus. We are his church. And God has a mission for his church. 
when we have clarity in our love, when we dress our marriages in the wardrobe of love, when we build our families on the foundation of love, we have purpose in navigating this mission, what it truly means to love neighbors. A few of Jesus' followers, um, if you've read the Bible or if you haven't, Jesus gathered a group of people around him. They were kind of called his disciples or his followers. And, and a bunch of them actually wrote down in, in letter format their eyewitness accounts of their experience with Jesus. And these individual letters were put together to help form what we call our Bible today. And one of, actually three of those letters, um, a guy named Matthew wrote one, a guy named Mark wrote one, and a guy named Luke wrote one. Each three of these followers of Jesus share the same lesson that Jesus taught them. And across the world, all around the globe, people that are, are expressed that I'm, I'm a Christian, I follow Jesus, we, we talk about something that the Bible calls the great commandment or the greatest commandment. Are you here today and, and maybe you've never heard of the great commandment in terms of Christian or if you have, it's basically this. Jesus taught that of all the laws that had come before for the, the Jewish nation, of all the rules, of all the regulations that people had to follow, in Jesus there was a brand new way to move forward and it was wrapped up in the greatest commandment, which is actually two specific commandments that make up one. And Jesus taught us this. He said, love God and then love neighbor with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength as you learn to love yourself. And so that makes up or defines when we talk about the great commandment as Christians, that's actually what we're talking about. We can read about it in Matthew 22, Mark 12, Luke 10. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, and love your neighbor as well as you love yourself. It's interesting that the trend of the world we live in really leans into loving ourselves. 2019, a culture is rampant with a priority of human beings learning to love themselves. Self-love, self-care, self-help. And I think we're, we're trying to figure out what does it mean to love ourselves. And I don't think that that's a bad thing. I just think it's, it's a misprioritized thing. And this is a Jono's opinion. So hear it as such. But when we have clarity in our love, when we dress our marriages in the wardrobe of love, when we build our families on the foundation of love, we have purpose in navigating what it truly means to live out the mission of God for his church, loving our neighbors. So in a culture where self-love has been trumpeted as being valuable, how do we shake off society's norm and value for us and simply pursue loving others in very practical ways, in maybe even greater ways than we love ourselves, Because Jesus says, love God and love neighbor as you love yourself. So learning to love yourself, learning to have value, that's why part one of this series was so important. What does it mean to live in love? And if you want to go back, you can listen to that on our podcast. But the foundation of love isn't for me. If I learn how to love and express love and I... And I, I crush it as a husband and as a daddy in the context of marriage and family, those relationships are easy. They actually benefit me. If I love Nicole well, it benefits me. If I love my kids well and, and shepherd and care for my kids, it actually benefits me. And so that kind of love, if we're not careful, can be a little bit self-centered or selfish. But what about a love that isn't about my home or my family but simply flows out 
of the love that I have for my home and my family. A love that's prioritized on focusing my heart for other people. What does that look like? Well, it gets messy. And it gets uncomfortable. And I've marveled as an adult man our ability to move into communities and isolate and alienate ourselves from neighbor with overhead garage doors that we open before we've hit our driveway and close before we've hit our home. I'm guilty of it. I'm actually a pro at it. I know exactly at what point two streets away I can hit my garage door opener and get it to open so that when I cruise in, it's wide open. I can just walk in, shut it, I'm home. But if our great commandment is to love God and love neighbor, what's a neighbor? That's kind of what I want to talk about today. Because as we begin to learn to clearly express, learn, and live in this motive of love, well, it feels good. It feels good to know what love is. I want to know what love is. Right? I'm not going to bust into song. I'm not going to bust into song. I'm not going to bust. As we begin to dress our marriages and our relationships in the wardrobe of love, well, that's easy. I want my marriage to thrive. I want to win in the context of my marriage. As we begin to build homes and families on the foundation of love, well, I want my family and my home life to feel like a safe place, like a loving life. That all it works for my favor. It works for me. But the reason that growing in real love for neighbors or for other people is so important is so that we learn the discipline of looking outside of ourselves. We have to learn the discipline of not just being focused on our self-love and our, our own home, family, marriage, relationship love, but on what it means to express love to other people. The purpose for learning to be clear with our love, which serves me, dressing our marriages in the wardrobe of love, which, again, serves me, building families on the foundation of love, which also serves me, is so that we're effective in how we're fulfilling God's mission for us, the church, which serves others. Without even being aware of it, I can become so selfish in how I love, for how it's benefiting me and mine, my four and no more. The selfless overflow is where love gets its traction and where Jesus gets the credit. Because when we learn to figure out this love piece in our own life, when we learn to build our marriages in a way that's healthy and defined by Jesus' love, when we build our families on the foundation of love, then we move from an overflow of allowing that love to impact the world around us. And that's the mission. That's the goal for all of us. Because love has a purpose. And to love for the sake of love without knowing love's purpose is going to leave us empty and leave us eating an expensive bird that's supposed to be singing. Love has a purpose. It is all for one beautiful, costly, and extravagant goal. Um, There's a a theologian. He's actually a, a professor in a Christian university. Does a lot of writing. And he wrote something in response to the great commandment. This passage in Matthew, Mark, and Luke that we call the great commandment. Love God, love others. He wrote something about it in, in sort of his personal commentary. And as I was preparing, one of, one of the sentences he read jumped out at me. And so I want to read a little bit of what this guy wrote. His name is um, C.S. Keener. Uh, he said, if left to ourselves, we tend to grasp for power rather than seeking to serve. And this can apply even to the ways that we interpret the Bible. 
in contrast to some modern readings, Jesus here in the great commandment assumes rather than commands self-love. Jesus assumes that you love yourself. He doesn't command that you have to love yourself. He just assumes if you know me and you know God, you have a good sense of love for yourself. Thus, and here's where it gets good, Jesus elsewhere emphasizes that true love for neighbor is demonstrated beyond one's own circle of favored people. Do you have a circle of favored people? Do you have a circle of favorite people? Think about it. Picture yourself. Close your eyes with me, if you would, for a moment. Draw a big circle around you. And then just put all your favorite people in there. You could probably picture them, name them. Right? That single guy at the back, he's like, I'm going to put that girl in there. She doesn't know she's part of my favorite yet, but she's, she's in that circle. Um, right? Teenagers right now, they're like, oh, should I put my mom in my circle? I'm not sure. She's right on the edge of that circle. But, uh, right? So just picture that circle and put your favorite people in that circle, your favorite people. Now picture everybody else outside of that circle. That's your neighbor. You mean that jerk that works with me? Yeah, he's your neighbor. You mean that kid in my grade 10 science class that uses his words every day to tear me apart? Yeah, he's your neighbor. Our mission. Jesus assumes that we love ourselves. In a world where, like, what does it mean for self-love to be evident? Right? The self-pursuit, the self-help, the self-stuff. Jesus just assumes if you're following me, your sense of love on the inside, your worth is going to be grounded in Jesus. And so you're going to come from a place of strength. And if you're not there yet, that's okay because you're going to get there. You're going to grow there. But that love for self on the inside and as it works itself in our homes, in our families, in our marriages, it's meant to overflow in this great mission, the purpose of love, which is loving neighbors. True love for neighbor is demonstrated beyond one's own circle of favorite people. (laughs) You know, there's a big difference between doing something on purpose and doing something by accident. Example, have you ever tripped somebody by accident? Have you ever tripped somebody on purpose? There's a big difference, right? One of them is like, ha, sucker. The other one's like, whoa, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean that. There's a huge difference between doing something on purpose with great intention and doing something accidentally. Hitting someone, right? Have you ever punched somebody on purpose? Have you ever been punched in the middle of a great night's sleep by accident? There, maybe on purpose. I don't know, right? Maybe you're snoring and <laughs> that, that blow is well-timed. I don't know. I'll leave that between you and your significant other. Here's the deal. Doing something on purpose with great intention is entirely different than doing something by accident, I've never once met a person that was like, oh my goodness, I can't even believe I just baked a banana loaf and walked it over to my neighbor's house. I totally didn't mean to do that. It's ridiculous. Doing something on purpose as a gesture of love, as a, as a spoken word of love, as, as a timely moment of prioritizing valuable time with somebody, these things happen not by accident. They happen on purpose. But what I've discovered is one of the greatest lies that exists in, in people that say they're following Jesus is like, who, who am I to step into that person's world? I've got so much garbage in my own house. Who am I to wade into somebody else's world? I don't have what it takes. Or I'm introverted. I know we're supposed to love my, I know, I know I'm supposed to love my neighbors. 
But I just, God, would you send me some extroverted Christian neighbors that can love the people in my community? I'll pray, but I won't go ring a doorbell. Heaven forbid. What does it mean to build your life from an overflow of love so that we're on point, on mission of being a part of Jesus' church in how we love neighbors? And what's incredible is you can be far from God today and not even believe in Jesus or you could be like in the pocket, you're like, oh yeah, me and Jesus, we're tight. Whatever you're at in the spectrum, you can still learn to show love to neighbors in very real ways. And be a part of the mission. Because on paper we go, well, this, this makes sense. We should probably learn how to love other people. Right? We, we kind of go, I think this is a good idea. But it needs to be more than just a good idea. It needs to be a profound truth that we understand is meant to overflow out of our life, out of the strength, out of the source that we found in loving Jesus. Notice, though, things that really matter, a word of encouragement, a thank you note, a timely phone call to a friend, those kinds of things don't happen by accident. They happen on purpose. Living an others-focused, overflowing life of love for neighbor is something that requires purpose, and something that requires planning. It rarely, if never, happens by accident. So three things I want to share, and then we're done. Number one, loving neighbors selflessly requires us to speak words, actual words, to those who are beyond our own circle of favorite people. Number two, loving neighbors selflessly requires us to serve in action, loving gestures to those who are beyond our own circle of favorite people. And number three, loving neighbors selflessly requires us to create margin of valuable time and then spend that valuable time with those who are beyond our circle of favorite people. Number one, words, actual words, spoken words. The Bible actually has a lot to say about the words that we speak. We read in Proverbs like there's, there's death and there's life in the power of the tongue. You've probably read in, in maybe the, the letter that Jesus' brother wrote a dude named James, he talked about how powerful this tiny little tongue is. He compared it to like a bit in a horse's mouth or a rudder on a gigantic ship. This small thing, this little tongue, this little muscle in my mouth has such an ability to steer and navigate. And, and we, we can read all through the entire story of the Bible about how words are important, how words matter. I think of, of um, whatever you believe to be true about creation I believe this, there's creative power in a spoken word. I actually believe at some point in God's heart and in his imagination was, was his sons and daughters, his family, and he spoke into existence life on planet Earth. And whether that happened over the course of a thousand years or seven days or a big bang, actually, I'm not going to argue that, but what I want to say is I believe that God spoke and things were, were brought into existence because our words carry life and they, they carry creativity and they carry power. And so what happens is we err in caution because we also know that our words can bring death, our words can bring discouragement, our words can get us into trouble. And so we, we find ourselves erring in caution when it comes to the words that we speak. I can't help but wonder if we've perhaps generated this cautious culture with words because we're so worried about steering our ship or, or navigating, guarding our horse, guiding our horse the wrong way. We're so worried about what our words are going to lead us to that we forget that our words carry power and life and hope and joy and family and, and acceptance. Our words matter. So rather than 
strike up a conversation with that guy I see every time I'm shoveling my snow, I remain silent. What if what I have to say doesn't matter in his life? Well, I'm not telling go over and, and, and tell him the four, five, seven, ten spiritual laws, however many there are these days. Just go over and say hi. Go over and help him shovel. Hey, man, can I help? Those are powerful words. Those are loving words. Those are carving out words to connect with another human being. Do you know that it's on you and I, not somebody else? You and me. It's on us to use our words to lovingly communicate our source and our strength and our foundation in Jesus with those who are outside of our little circle of favorite people. What excuses have you created for not using your actual spoken words to show love to somebody beyond that favorite circle? You know, there's a proverb uh, that I love, Proverbs 15, 23. Congenial conversations, what a pleasure. The right word at the right time, beautiful. That's the message translation. But a word, uh, the right word in season brings life to somebody. Do you recognize your ability to use words in a way that lifts, that builds, that brings hope, that brings courage? I want to brag on my wife for a second. Because Nicole, by, by nature, is not an extroverted human being. She's married to a guy that could talk to anybody, anytime, anywhere. And so it's actually, I want to say, it's uncomfortable and costly, but a little bit easy for me to talk, in, to, talk to you about talking to neighbors. Um, because it's something I want to get better at. If you're in the room and you're, you're more introverted, which probably 70% of you are, given statistics on personality types, it's going to be costly for you to work up the courage to use your actual words to talk to somebody you don't know. But I've seen a woman who believes in the mission of Jesus' church rise up and begin to learn what it means to step into somebody else's world. And I, I can brag on her because she's my girl and I love her to bits, but I love how she's carried the mission of Jesus especially in this season of moving to a new city and pioneering a new church. She's carried the hope and the life through her spoken word in a way that's outside of her own comfort level. And golly geez, if she can do it, so can you. Absolutely. Um, Because love wins with our words. It wins with our words. In the context of neighbor, anybody outside of our circle of favorite people, love wins with words. Number two, Loving neighbors selflessly selflessly requires us to serve in action. Loving gestures to those who are beyond our own circle. The other day, I was out with my sons, and we were leaving a store, and uh, I went through the door, and I held it for Riley and Caleb, and they came in behind me. And I started walking towards the truck. And do you ever have those moments as a parent where you're like, I'm missing a kid? I had one of those moments. So I stopped and turned around. And there was Caleb, my seven-year-old son. He was standing in the door, and he was, the, the door was open and at his back, and he was just standing there because there was a stream of people just like, and he's just like, this is fun, right? Um, and he just held the door open for as long as it took. And so I stood and waited. And the very last gentleman that walked through took a step through the door, took a couple steps and stopped and turned around and said, excuse me, young man, I just want to say thank you for holding the door open for me. That was very kind. And Kayla's like, you're welcome. You know what's sad to me? Like, I'm all for political correctness and, and healthy gender roles. It's 2019. 
But I second guess holding the door open for some people because I don't want to offend them as an adult man. And I struggle with that. There's tension there for me because we're talking about holding a door open. This is not really a big deal. It's like, can I hold the door for you? So that's what I've started doing. I've I've started asking people. I get their permission. And one time, I had somebody actually say no. I'm like, this just happened. So I, like, I backed away, and the door closed, and then they came through. I was like, that was weird. But I asked for permission. Can I, can I hold the door open for you? Loving neighbors selflessly actually requires us to serve in action. The defining characteristic of Jesus' followers was always supposed to be love. From the time Jesus breathed his last and then rose again, the defining characteristic of people who say I'm following Jesus was meant to be love. They will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. It's actually in the Bible. Love God, love others, because those who follow me, will. it's going to be evident in how they love. They will know that I follow Jesus by my love. Those who are outside of our circle of favorite people will know that I follow Jesus based on how I show love to them. Not how I love myself, not how I love my wife and kids, and we want that. We pray for that. We're like, dear God, let, my, let our love for each other in this home, let it be a, a beautiful picture of you at work in the world. And that's not a bad prayer. Keep praying that prayer. I, I applaud that. But if it doesn't move to action in how you show love for people that are outside of your circle, then we're not on mission How we love them is what's implied. How we love people. They'll know that we follow Jesus by how we love them, by how we speak words that love them, but also how we act and how we serve them with love. There's a young lady that's a part of our community, and um, her name is Sarah. And a few weeks ago, she says, Pastor John, can I ask you a question? And I said, sure, Sarah, what's up? She says, I'd really like to use some of my money um, instead of just like putting it in the offering. Would you be okay if I went out and bought a whole bunch of backpacks and a whole bunch of food and socks and water bottles and some of those warming kits, and I just want to stuff backpacks with stuff and go downtown and give them away. Do you think that's okay? Mic drop. Of course it's okay. She's like, it is? I'm like, 100%. Um, we need to start a small group called Love Yeg that we can just like get people together and like make that happen all the time gestures of love to people outside of our circle of favorite people, tangible, practical ways that we can demonstrate love, and not in a way that's preachy or weird or we have to bring them somewhere if they take this, just a a free thing that we give away, just love people. If this is hard for you, then don't do it alone. If, If walking in practical gestures of love with people outside of your favorite people circle, if it's hard for you, then don't do it by yourself. Do it with other people in community. Join a small group that's focused on love in action to people outside of our little circles. But do it. Speak words. Use your mouth. Open up and start talking. Gestures. Actual, tangible actions of love. Because love wins with our words. Love wins with our actions. And lastly, love wins with our valuable time. Loving neighbors selflessly requires us to create margin of valuable time. And then spend that valuable time with those who are beyond our own circle. Of favorite people. You know, I've talked a little bit in, in previous messages about a couple of years ago how Nicole and I, we, we, we stopped using the word busy. And uh, Kathy's like, uh-huh, me. Um, because I don't like to say, oh, I can't do that, I'm busy. 
I would rather say, I wonder if we're supposed to do that and create time for that. Is that a priority? Is that a value for us? So rather than just labeling everything, I'm, I'm so busy, I can't, we try and look at our lives and schedule things that we believe are important, that, that the message of Jesus invites us to be a part of. And our time certainly touches on that. You know, um, six years ago, we moved into a new home. I actually talked about that home last week, the house that had the foundation but hadn't been built on yet. So we had to build a house based on the foundation. Do you remember that? If you were here, never mind. Um, that house, when we moved in, we, it was like a new street. Everybody was new. And so we just were like, hey, we should throw a house party for all of our neighbors. There's 18 families in this uh, street where we live. And so we, we typed up these little invitations and, and delivered them to 18 homes. And we were like, I wonder who's going to show up. They all did. All 18 families, including their kids. Some of them even brought their grandkids. It was like, our house isn't big enough for this kind of party. But they all came. And I'm not sharing that story with you to boast. I need to say that. Because some of you are like, oh, you think you're so cool throwing a house party for your neighbors. But it's not about being cool. It's about creating margin with valuable time. I think our time is valuable. I believe that. What we're stewarding, what we're building. Creating margin to say this is important. Sharing our lives with other people. And you might do that by way of a house party. You might do that by way of... Um, do you know I was blown away when I moved to Edmonton? Do you know that the, the municipal government in the city of Edmonton has a program that's designed to help you love your neighbors? Actually empowers and gives you permission to go door to door and like love and pastor where you live? <laughs> Did you know the city of Edmonton throws like budget dollars at that? It's called ACE, A-C-E, Abundant Communities Edmonton. And you could volunteer with the city of Edmonton to be your neighbor's your neighborhood block connector. And the city would say, we'll give you a clipboard and a badge, and you can go door to door and say, hey, we live right there. Is there anything we can do for you? The city wants to know, what do you need right now? And what a beautiful way to, like, leverage something the city's put together just as a way of walking in love. I don't know. I'm, we're exploring with our brand-new community league what it means for us to be our neighborhood's block connector and, and to, to love and serve because I just think this is so important but get creative. Figure out ways to walk in love by creating margin in your valuable time for how you show love to your neighbors. Because I think if we build great marriages and great families and have great self-worth centered in God's love, but we don't actually use that as an overflow to how we love people outside of our circle of favorite people, then I think we've missed it. I think we sell ourselves short. And I think we've failed in fulfilling the mission that God invites us into, every single one of us. Because love wins with our words, and love wins with our action, and love certainly wins with our valuable time. And in closing, I just want to say this. This is not a one and done. Check. I did it. <laughs> I feel better. <laughs> this is a life. This is a life that we've been invited into. And if you're serving Jesus and you've been serving him for years, maybe this is something that you could examine in your own home, and your own walk. And if you're brand new to faith, maybe this is something that you could just say, God, what do you have for me when it comes to my words and my actions and my time and how we're lear learning to love others outside of our circle of favorites? This is a mission of purpose that we're all learning and growing in together. Because there's not many things I do know, but I do know this. Love wins. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you so much 
um, that through these amazing accounts of people that walked with you, lived with you, served with you, we can find beautiful words of truth that uh, connect with our hearts even today. God, some of us for the first time today um, heard about this thing called the Great Commandment. That all the laws, all the rules that we think we have to follow, that they're summed up in the simplicity of what it means for us to love you and to love neighbors as we love ourselves. And Jesus, you just assume that if we're in you and with you and for you, that, that our, our love of self is strong, that it's healthy, it's in a good place, or at least moving in the right direction. And so if we've somewhere along the way believed that maybe our, our life, my life is less than, or that I'll never be able to reach a place of self-love and, and health and wholeness, if I've believed that other people can make a difference, but but maybe I'm just supposed to tend to, to mine and mine and only mine. Would you give us a new dream today of what it means to, to live a love of purpose in how we fulfill your mission for the church? That as we learn to, to love ourselves in you, that as we grow in what it means to, to love a spouse, love the relationship that matters most, to love our families and our children and to grow a foundation of love in our homes, that all of that positions us to overflow, positions us to pour out, to not just um, selfishly hold on to our love, but to leverage our love in a way that's meaningful to those who are outside of our circle of favorites. God, I get a sense right now in this room, the diversity of people here, we're, we're all... We can, actually, we can actually picture that person. We can picture the, the, the person that's outside of our favorites. We can picture them, whether they're on our streets or in our office or in our, in our uh, kids' sports program, God, in, in the grocery store where we regularly shop. We can picture that person that's like, ugh, they are so far outside of my circle of love. And today you're reminding us that with our words, with action, and with our valuable time, we're meant to radiate your love in the world that we live in, the mission of your church, to demonstrate love everywhere we go. But it starts with us choosing to follow and encounter the love of Jesus each and every day. I just want to ask, just in this moment, if you could just close your eyes for me and I just sense that um, there are some people here today that are, are feeling like, man, I've missed it. In my effort to shore up and protect my home or protect my kids or protect my marriage or family, and my efforts to um, kind of build a, an inner sense of, of purpose, I've closed myself off from really loving others outside of my circle with my words and my actions and, and my valuable time. And I just, I just sense that God's given you a new picture today of what it means for you to be on mission as a part of Jesus' church. And 
And it isn't about filling up this room with more bodies. It's actually about taking what we've experienced here today and bringing it out there. What happens later today and tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, before we gather together again, what happens out there is more important than what's taking place here and now. It's more valuable. It's more kingdom. It's more of the mission that you've invited us into. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. If you're ever in the Edmonton area, pop by for a visit. And if you need any more information, visit EvolveChurch.com. We hope to see you soon.